edition of the Watch Report. I'm back. Aren't you excited? I'm excited. I'm back. I couldn't do this. This yelling, this screaming, this hollering. I couldn't do this for the longest time. I've been sick, shut in, bereaved. Ain't been able to do nothing. Couldn't talk. Couldn't walk. Wasn't COVID, thankfully. Wasn't nothing serious. It was just a very severe, extremely severe cold. Extremely severe cold. I haven't had one of those in a minute. Left the air on for one night. Next thing you know, could barely talk. And it went off and on. Thought was hurting. Thought got better. Thought was hurting again. Thought got better. Thought I could do an episode. The next thing you know, oh boy. Comes back like a like a hurricane. Couldn't do nothing. But I'm back now. I haven't forgot. No, I haven't forgot you beautiful people. Making this channel and this community great. This is the responsibility. I'm still trying to get rich, get paid, and get famous. And this is one of the avenues to do it. And this is what I love. So I'm so back, glad to be back on the platform speaking to you all again. Oh, this is so much fun. And like I said in the last episode, good gosh, that was what, three weeks ago? My goodness, don't worry. We're still keeping up with consistency. I have not forgotten. That's still the motto of this channel. Consistency is the key to drive the fan base and to bring you all what we want and what we need, which is unapologetic takes on the sports world. But like I said, last last time I was on the show, I said we were going to cover boxing. And doggone it, that's exactly what we're going to do today. We got a bunch of news to talk about in the world of boxing today. We got Terrence Bud Crawford versus Errol Spence Jr., Anthony Joshua versus Alexander Usyk for the Youth Undisputed. Heavyweight title. I'm going to give you my opinions, my takes on all of that in the newest segment, which is going to be this entire show, Step Into the Ring. Oh, listen to that. Oh, listen to that. The crowd, the adulation. I've been working on sounds. Again, we upgraded the show. Every chance we get. So, yeah, step into the ring. Put your gloves on. Get ready to defend what your opinion. Doggone, I'm going to defend mine. I'm going to defend mine. Start a fight in the comments, please. If you don't agree with what I say, put it down below. Subscribe to the channel. Uh, share it with anybody else that you know. Leave a like and let's make this community great. But, again, sticking with what we got to do because we ain't wasting no time. First topic of the day, Errol Spence Jr. versus Terrence Bud Crawford. My gosh, we've been waiting on this fight. If you're a boxing fan, we've been waiting on this fight for the longest time. The longest time. Two of the best welterweights in the world today. Two of, arguably, the best fighters. Not arguably, excuse me. Two of the best fighters in the world today. In the world of boxing. Ter Terrence Bud Crawford vying for his position. His position across from Canelo Alvarez to claim the number one pound-for-pound pound spot in, in the eyes of the public in the boxing world. And for those who don't know, because everybody may not be a boxing fan, pound-for-pound pound is the term that we use in boxing that was, I believe, created by Ring Magazine. Could be wrong. Do your research. Again, everything that I say, whether you agree with it or not, do your research. Become informed as well so you can be educated on not only boxing, but just in general, a better sports aficionado. But credit in the time of Sugar Ray Robinson, my opinion, the greatest boxer of all time. Because at the time, and still today, heavyweights 
are the big bads. Heavyweights are the guys that, you know, everybody wants to see. I don't care who you think you are in terms of what fan of whatever sport you may be. If there's an undisputed heavyweight fight, everybody's going to tune in. Because that's claims the title of the baddest man on the planet. The biggest guy in the biggest division winning all the belts is supposedly unbeatable. That's what the moniker was for the longest time. So when Sugar Ray Robinson came along, who was mopping the floor with everybody, they put in pound for pound. Pound for pound is essentially, regardless of what weight class you are, who is the best fighter? Overall, out of everybody, who's got the best skill, who's got who's who's got the, the greatest IQ, it's a plethora of things that come into it. But it's not always a heavyweight that 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 wins that moniker. Oftentimes, it's never a heavyweight. Oftentimes, outside of Tyson, who had it at one point in time, maybe Lennox Lewis, maybe Evander Holyfield were, were vying for that spot. But oftentimes, it's the lower class, like the welterweights. Uh, the bantamweights uh, or lightweights like uh, now we in a way fighting for Japan phenomenal phenomenal one of the scariest fighters you will ever see in terms of inside the ring he is a monster just like his nickname is he's called the monster because the brother cracks better than nearly anybody else in any division regardless of weight it's scary when you watch that man fight took out the Donita Donaire Another Hall of Famer in two rounds after previously going for 12 and having to fight it a year. It was a demolition that man did on him. He's got, he's, and he's vying for a spot a pound for pound. But this fight specifically, Terrence Crawford versus Earl Spence Jr., most likely whoever wins this is going to be able to claim number one pound for pound in the world. Many people said it was Canelo Alvarez for the longest time. However, his loss to Bevo. At light heavyweight, even though, again, credit to him for moving up and doing something that many boxers don't do today, which is push themselves and actively try, win, lose, or draw, to achieve greatness on a level that many people aren't used to by going up in weight classes above their punching grade and seeing if they can take on the baddest man there. That's what he did. He failed, but it's not a knock on him. Still undisputed. He's still an undisputed champion in another division. Earned it. But now his moniker pound for pound as the best fighter on the planet is in question. This fight with Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence is going to decide who actually claims that crown. Because these two, both undefeated, Spence 28-0, 22 knockouts. Crawford 32-0, 28 knockouts. Both of them at the height of their careers are going to hit each other with the force of a bomb. Speculated by the end of the year. And it's also speculated that it's supposed to be a two-fight deal, so they're going to rematch whatever the matchup, whatever the, the end result of this matchup is, they're going to rematch. So this is a really big deal for non if you're not a boxing fan. Because you have to understand that if you want to see a legitimate war, you need to see this fight. Understand this. Many people, the last time that they watched boxing, if you're an uber casual, as in, no knock, but 
if you just watched it when Jake Paul was fighting or when Floyd Mayweather was last fighting Manny Pacquiao in that mega fight that broke every record in boxing history in terms of revenue. If you watch just those fights and then vaunt with the nostalgia of, oh man, Tyson was a killer. Oh man, yeah, Ali was amazing. But you haven't touched boxing in the modern day. You're missing out on warriors that are about that life. If you want to scrap, this is the fight to see. If you want drama unlike anything, this is the fight to see. Both of these fighters, like I said, are at the top of their game. And on top of that, they come to you. Unlike Floyd Mayweather, which for a lot of people potentially has ruined boxing because of the fact, not because of his skill. His skill is you know, second to none. One of the greatest defensive fighters I've ever seen. Ring IQ was off the charts. Brother knew what he was doing better than nearly anybody else in this generation. But his fighting style was something that was a turnoff to a lot of people. People called him a runner. People called him somebody that was not exciting to see. You know, they, uh, many people don't like counterpunching or, or excuse me, defensive counterpunching, which is not to knock you out, but just to touch you and get out the way. Similar to Devin Haney, even though they don't fight the same. They don't fight the same at all. Devin Haney's nearly not on the level as Floyd Mayweather. But in terms of being a pop shot fighter, jab, get out the way, you know, maybe a flurry and then move around the ring. Thanks, going, uh, getting in and out of range. It can't for 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 a casual fan. It's not exciting. It's 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 not. People call him a runner. They say he just shells up. He's not trying to actually fight. He's just trying to get out. He doesn't put up any opposition, even though his defense is the opposition. His IQ is the opposition, but it's a turnoff for a lot of people because people don't want to see people run. And I get that. But again, despite that, that's not what all boxing is. His skill level was just so above that he made everybody else seem like they were amateurs to Floyd Mayweather. But again, it's multiple fighting styles. And these two are the quintessential war-type clashes that you want to see. In a fight, if you want to look up, look up Tommy Hearns versus Marvelous Marvin Hagler. One of the greatest fights in boxing history. Still talk about it today. I believe it only lasted three rounds, four rounds. And I mean, they were swinging. You want to talk about aggressive technical excellence? It was amazing. Missing punches by the skin of their teeth, ducking in, landing counters, taking counters. Walking through shots, it was a war unlike any other. That's the type of fight you're going to get when you watch Crawford versus Spence. Here's a breakdown of what the fighters are, who they are. Start with Earl Spence Jr., the majority belt holder in the, in the division. Because mind you, this is for undisputed. People talk about this, there's too many belts in the division. No more of that, or at least not with this fight. Every major belt is on the line. WBO, WBA, WBC, and IBO. The only four belts that really matter in any weight division. 
All of them are on the line. L. Spence, the majority belt holder, is a guy with an incredibly high motor. I mean incredibly high motor. This man from round one and on is going to hunt you down and attack your body. Just like he did with Ugas. He went in immediately from round one on. Doug, I'm ripped. Hook after hook after hook, uppercut. Getting on the inside, not letting him get space. Not letting Ugas back up. Not letting not, not let Ugas be a counterpuncher or a distance fighter. Forced him on the inside. And just and just went for it from round one up until round nine when he eventually knocked him out with a TKO. Went in. And this man is strong. What you have to understand, there's different types of punchers when you deal with fighting, and when you deal with boxing specifically. Different types of punchers. You have people that, yeah, they got power, and then you got people that got power. People that have power, those types of people, yeah, they can, they can knock you out, they can hurt you, but it's, it's got to be clean when they land on you. As in, if, if you, let's say you slip one way, and then you, when you come back upright to go for an attack, you get caught. Okay, boom. Yeah, he'll put you to sleep. Or he'll stun you. Absolutely. Many fighters have, have power. If they catch you clean with the shot, it'll hurt you, and you'll be in trouble. But Errol Spence is different. Not many people have this type of power. The power that Errol Spence has is the fact that he hurts you through your guard. As in, he doesn't have to hit you clean for you to be hurt. He's hurt people with hooks to the body when they got blocked. He's hurt people with jabs when his jab was blocked. He's hurt people when they showed up. Not one punch landed in a combination, but the brother was still stumbling. Or you saw him grimacing. That's type, That's bone crushing power. That type of power is something that many it, it, you you can't teach that. You, you you can't teach that. It's a bludgeoning type of power. Bludgeoning. If it it it, it it's, it's it it's just brute force. It's like if you if it's like. You ever hit your funny bone? And you feel it all the way up in your hand. That sensation of the pain correlating to the entire section of a body part is what Errol Spence Jr. does when he hits opponents. It is a relentless, methodical, aggressive, deliberate attack that aims to wear you down to where you, by round six and seven, now you're feeling everything. Every time you take a step, it moves. It hurts. Every time you throw a punch, your body aches. Now you don't even want to put up your block because your hands are hurt. Everything about him, every attack that he does, leaves a mark and leaves an impression in the motor, 
and the conditioning allows us so that he does not get tired. Oftentimes, he does not get tired. So he's able to keep that same attack up in round 9, 10, and 11 that he had in rounds 1, 2, and 3. Meanwhile, you're now trying to recover from the round 1, 2, and 3 attack, and he's getting even more fired up. It's like, like, this is the man, he's knocked down a guy named Sean Porter, another elite fighter, multi-time champion, conditioning out the water. One of the best conditioned fighters of this generation. He retired now. One of the greatest conditioned fighters that he's, that we've seen in this modern day. With a relentless motor. He won't knock you out. He won't do that. Sean Porter wasn't going to knock you out. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But even though he wasn't going to knock you out, he would just keep on punching. He would just overwhelm opponents with relentless work ethic. Errol Spence outworked him. That's the crazy thing. Knocked him down and he had never been knocked down before. To my knowledge, Sean Porter had never been knocked down before. Sean Porter had never touched the mat. In 29 of his fights, 28, whatever his record was up until that point. Hadn't touched the mat. And he did it to him. And he outworked him and outclassed him. It was a good fight, don't get me wrong. But we're dealing with a fighter, L. Spence Jr., that is incredibly relentless, incredibly ruthless, so strong, has conditioning, has a wide array of punches, has a great jab on top of that. One of the best jabs in the division, a phenomenal chin, even with after the car accident, when people were saying, oh, his career may be over, came back, beat Danny Garcia, beat Sean Porter, beat Ugas. Like, doesn't make sense. But everything that we've had questions about him since that crash is done, is gone. Now, it's just a matter of when is he going to fight Terrence Crawford. And now that talks are in the work, it's going to happen this year. Most likely on a multi-fight deal, per reports, throughout various boxing analysts. Again, do your research look it up if you don't believe me. But understand this about the man that he's going up against. He's going up against Terrence Bud Crawford, who's... Been in the conversation as the best in the world. And L. Smith Jr.'s opposition has the ability to do everything that L. Spence can do. But the key factor is he can do it with either hand. See, one of the rare things that you have in boxing is a switch hitter. Somebody that can fight both orthodox and southpaw. So essentially using baseball turns from either side of the plate. The brother can hit with ease. Home runs. Regardless of which side of the plate he's hitting on. 
That's Terrence Bud Crawford. Now, I brought up Marvelous Marvin Hagler earlier in the show. The reason why I brought him up in that fight specifically is because of Terrence Bud Crawford specifically. Terrence Bud Crawford is a guy you may have never heard of him, even though he's one of the best in the world, arguably the best in the world. My pick for the best in the world right now If you don't know him, it's because of the fact that he doesn't talk a lot. The man just goes, in the words of Marvelous Hagler, he goes to war. That's it. Doesn't talk, except when egged on. Doesn't do a bunch of outside stuff. The brother is alone with himself and his family. And only cares about the fight. That's it. And he is obsessed, obsessed, obsessed with winning. And the key factor is how he does it. Understand this. Remember Sean Porter, the guy that we just talk, spoke about, never been knocked down until he fought Errol Spence Jr. Lost to Errol Spence Jr. To, I believe, a split decision, or it might have been a unanimous decision. That same guy went on to fight Terrence Bud Crawford in a phenomenal fight. That was Terrence Crawford's last fight. Terrence Crawford knocked him out. Forget never been knocked down before. He had never been knocked out before. He knocked out Sean Porter. Knocked him down. I think twice. To Errol Spence's once. And you know what happened when that moment happened? He, he heard that he was down. He had his whole game plan set up. First three rounds, and this is a breakdown of how Terrence Crawford fights. First couple rounds, analyze his opponent. Go in, look, strategize, see what he does. What's his tendencies? Where does he like to weave? What, what feints do I need to do to get him to bite? What's his rhythm? What's his distance? Where is he comfortable? What angle can I take on him later on in the fight? How can I start setting stuff up so that later on I can catch him? That's how he thinks. So you go and you have that. And that's what he did with Sean Porter. And then through rounds four, five, six, and seven, all of a sudden now he's starting to pick up steam. He'll lose the first couple rounds. To download who you are and what you do. Then after round four, excuse me, round three, going into round four, now he starts to implement his stuff. Now he starts to pick you apart. Now he starts to jab a little more frequently. Now he starts to load up just a tad on a couple shots, not many, just a couple. Set you up. Maybe throw a combination here or there. Then round by round five, six, and seven. Now, okay, now he's starting to open up. Now he's getting in rhythm. Now he's found the opening. Now he's switching stances and getting to you. Now he's hitting you with lead lefts and lead rights. Uppercuts and hooks. 
He's gotten in your rhythm. Now he's countering you before you throw the punch. He was doing all of that with Sean Porter. Sean Porter was giving him work. But he heard his corner say that you're losing the fight. I don't think he was at that point. But Corner told him that he was losing the fight. Shocked expression got on his face. Couldn't believe it. Balled up his lip and said, okay, all right. I'm going to end it. Went out. Boom. Knocked him down. Got aggressive. Landed. Went, got, got antsy. Landed one counter. And then opened up. Down. Knocked down. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Sean Porter gets back up. Boom. Gets even more aggressive. Knocked down again. Now Sean Porter's frustrated. Mad as all it can be. And his corner throws in the towel. Because they're like, oh no, he, he, he lost. There's no way uh, he can win now. There's still three rounds left, I believe. Or it might have been the championship round. It, it, it was either one or two rounds left. Ended it. Ended it. Ended it. Ended it right then and there. All because he said, okay, a switch flipped in his mind and just blew him out the water. Kel Brook, another phenomenal boxer. And knocked him out in less than three rounds with a jab. Stunned him with a jab. Supposedly one of the weakest punches in boxing, even though it's the most fundamental and the most important. Knocked him out with a with a jab. Excuse me. Knocked him down with the jab. Then knocked him out with the right hand. Cal Brook is a guy that went against a guy named Gennady Golovkin, who was, is, spectacular. Arguably won his fights against Canelo when they were fight when they fought against each other. And they're about to fight again in the trilogy. Which I think now Canelo's going to win because I think Gennady Golovkin, while still elite, the age may be something that catches up to him in this fight. In this fight, because in boxing, you don't know when your time will come. When your body just says, I can't do what I used to. If you look at Manny Pacquiao's last fight against Ugas, it, it, it went. That's just how it happened. That's just what happened. Legs gave out on him. And he had to retire. Give a valiant effort, but he had to retire. Because he just said, my body can't do it anymore. But with this fight, it's going to be a war between two opposing factors. One, an Errol Spence, high motor, incredibly strong, incredibly big. One of the best jabs in the game. And incredibly intelligent. And will wear you down. Terrence Crawford, on the other hand, is a brother who will dissect you, 
make a game plan, and then implement it and just pick you apart piece by piece by piece like a vulture. But the difference is between the two and for my prediction, Terrence Crawford's going to win this fight in my opinion because of the fact that he's got that instinct to switch. Yes, he's a slow starter, just like Joe Frazier. But once he gets going, his when he reaches his top gear, his level is second to none. It's second to none. It is second to none. It, 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 once he gets in his rhythm and fully puts, puts his foot on the throttle, there's barely anybody in the world that can touch him. And on top of that, he's got another gear that he can get to when he feels like it's time to get desperate. This isn't a knock on Errol Spence, not saying he doesn't have that. But we've seen Terrence Crawford in trouble. Terrence Crawford's been knocked down. Errol Spence hasn't been knocked down. Terrence Crawford, after being knocked down, has immediately ended and knocked out his opponents. He immediately went into that animalistic kill mode and took him out. Took him out. Whenever he felt he was losing, he just took him out. High-level opponent took him out. Just did away with him. L. Smith Jr., the last time I saw him get in trouble was against Ugas. When he caught him with the uppercut, mouthpiece fell out. Seemed like he was dazed, but Ugas didn't capitalize. And then he just kept doing what he was doing. I didn't see an elevation in his game, just a consistent level of him performing at his peak even after being in trouble. That's, uh, that is incredible. But I don't think that that's going to be enough to take out Terrence Crawford. And Terrence Crawford will be able to get Errol Spence Jr. Because while Errol Spence is bigger, and while he is stronger, his bludgeoning power is countered by Errol Spence's precise power. See, L. Spence, uh, excuse me, L. Spence's bludgeoning power is countered by Crawford's precise power. L. Spence is like a wrecking ball. He'll come in and whatever that thing hits, boom, it just, it just obliterates. I'm not, I'm not calling him George Foreman. I'm not calling him Mike Tyson. I'm not talk, calling him Ernie Shavers in terms of power punchers, nor in skill level, although he's better than Ernie Shavers by miles. But punching power, absolutely not. I'm not calling him Julian Jackson. But, again, if you get hit in your funny bone and you feel it in your arm, that's what it's like when he punches you. You just feel it everywhere. But Terrence Crawford, it's precise when he catches you. 
His power is elite. That's why he got 28 knockouts in 32 fights. This is elite. But it's because he's just able to always get you. And once he gets you, guys, it's, it's over. And every punch is a precise punch. That's the thing. Every punch is a precise punch. A bludgeoning blow, a bludgeoning blow with a wide felt effect may not always knock you out. But a precise blow on a pinpoint target will always take somebody out. That's how he took out Amir Khan. That's how he took out Jeff Horn. Again, Cal Brook, Terrence, uh, not, not Terrence Crawford, Sean Porter. All those fighters that Terrence Crawford fought took out. Last four fights have been KOs. The brother is the arguably outside of Nawi Inouye. In my estimation, outside of Nawi Inouye, Terrence Crawford is the best finisher this boxing game has right now. And if it's early and Spence is able to get Crawford in trouble, hey, I'll give it to him. Spence probably don't take it. But if it gets late in the fight and Crawford is able to reach his fullest potential, get the information, and then now say, okay, I'm coming to you. It's going to be Crawford. It's going to be Crawford. Many people don't want to call it. I'll call it. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I think Crawford's definitely going to win this fight. And, and it's, 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 but it's going to be a war. This is going to be something that we're going to talk about for years. Years, man. This is one of those legacy fights. Not just for the fighters, but for the fans as well. This is a fight that if you get to see this unfold, you get to tell your people, grandkids, friends, whoever, years down the line, I was there when this fight happened. When Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence Jr. clashed for the undisputed welterweight title. I was there and I got to witness history. That's how much this fight means. This fight is historically big. Because the sad part about boxing, we don't get these types of fights as often. UFC is incredibly popular. You know why? Because Dana White is the sole president of the UFC. There is no sole president in boxing. Dana White being the sole president lets him put together fights without any hassle. Everybody signed under the UFC, hence that means you fight under the UFC. Plain and simple. No beating around the bush. If you're ranked, you fight the person ranked above you. You win enough, you can get a title shot. When you lose, you get bumped back down. Earn your rematch. Or if the champion agrees, you get a rematch again immediately. That's it. He makes the fights that fans want to see. And that's why you got such big stars. That's why you have such big stars like Conor McGregor, like Dustin Poirier, like Khabib Nurmagomedov, like Israel Adesanya, like Amanda Nunes, Ronda Rousey when she was fighting. All of these people, Francis Ngannou, 
the baddest man on the planet in the UFC. Because the fights happen. And they happen in a timely manner. They happen when everybody's in their prime. There's no wasted time. Since there isn't a president of boxing as a whole, you have different commissions. Again, the WBA, WBO, IBO, and WBC, all of those are boxing commissions. They sanction who fights who. All of them have their own sect of people who want money. Hence, some fighters won't fight other fighters because of a commission that demands a, uh, a mandatory defense of their title against somebody that is not worthy of being having that opportunity. Because they want to keep that champion as that champion. Essentially, there's a lot of paperwork. That's needless stupid. The reason why there's all these belts is because everybody wants a piece of the pie. The reason why undisputed belts don't happen often is because oftentimes you have it's you have mess. That's the best way I can say it. Oftentimes these fights don't happen because you have mess going on behind the scenes that makes it so that we get these types of fights. Like Floyd Mayweather versus Pacquiao. Stuff like that happens five years too late. Stupid. It's really, it's really stupid. But thank goodness that we're getting this now. And thank goodness that we're getting rematches of these two per reports for a multi-fight deal. Thank goodness. Because this needs to happen more often. This is what boxing is supposed to be. This is how the sport's supposed to look. We get excited. We get amped up for two people who are at the top of their game fighting each other for all the belts while they're in their prime. That's what this sport needs. So you make sure you watch this fight. Because this fight is historic. Historic. Again, I think Terrence Crawford is going to take this by split decision. It could end in knockout if he catches Errol Spence with his counters. Because the one thing Terrence Burke Crawford likes to do is get into a war. And that means knockdown, drag out. Both people are in the fire, in the pocket, within range of each other. And at any moment, somebody can get caught and get slept. That's what he loves to be in. Because he loves to get your timing and then, boom, catch you with a counter. And then open up. He'll put himself in danger. And Errol Spence will gladly oblige because of his fighting style. He wants to get close to you. Both of them are multifaceted fighters that can do Virtually anything. It's just the fact that Errol Spence is a fighter that I view jack of all trades and a master not of a single punch well, outside of a jab but more so master of the motor. Crawford, however, 
is a jack-of-all-trades, but a master of countering and switching, as well as having a high motor. To somebody that excels in, that is good at everything, but excels in only a couple things, versus somebody who excels at many things and is only good at a couple things, one person has the advantage in my estimation. And I think it's Terrence Crawford. That does not, it's not disrespect. Spence, because Spence is a dog. Spence is a dog. Spence has the ability to adapt. Spence has the ability to, to adapt to whatever his opponent brings. That's what makes him so deadly. I just don't think he'll be able to, while as smart as he is, I don't think he'll be able to outthink Terrence Crawford. Because once that switch flips in the later rounds, and if Terrence feels like that he's losing, I don't think Errol Spence is going to be able to mitigate not only the amount of aggression, but the amount of precise aggression that Terrence is going to bring to Spence once the time calls for it. But I can tell you right now, it's going to be one of the greatest wars we've seen. And I can't wait for it. My gosh, I cannot wait for that fight. It's going to be a barn burner. And something I'm going to be blessed to be able to see. My goodness. I'm excited for it. But next fight. Next talking point. Anthony Joshua versus Alexander Usyk. For a rematch for the undisputed heavyweight championship of the world. I'll give a little backtrack, backdrop as to what happened. In the last fight, Anthony Joshua won his rematch against Ruiz. After being KO'd, went on, defended his belts. I forget, I forget the opponent, excuse me for, for blanking. But defended his belts, won with the uppercut knockout. Then went on to fight Alexander Usyk. And Usyk took that brother to school. Rounds one through three, schooled him. Round four through five, Joshua started to find a rhythm, started to find his jab, started to find some body work. Thought he was having success, and then... Rounds six, seven stuff started changing again. Usyk gets the upper hand. Usyk adapts. And Usyk wins. Now, there's a lot more that goes into that fight. It was just so much. <laughs> now, I'm summarizing for those who haven't seen, didn't see it. So, with this second fight, first off, the ramifications of this fight. Understand this, if Anthony Joshua loses this fight, we have, I have a lot of questions with him as a fighter. Because now, here's what I've always seen Anthony Joshua as. A person who at one time I thought was the best in the world at heavyweight. But, however, it's Chinny. Incredibly chinny. What's chinny, you ask? If he gets caught clean, even by a grazing shot, it can't affect him. Punchers that you wouldn't think would be able to knock somebody like him out are doing damage to him. Multiple times I've seen this man stunned from a clean shot. 
And again, Ruiz in the first fight got KO'd. Or excuse me, Ruiz KO'd Joshua. Because he, he caught him on the temple and he caught him on the chin over and over and over again. Knocked him down more than four times before he was eventually counted out because he didn't answer the referee's call to step forward. So he, so he, and, and in that same fight, Usyk, mind you, who's coming up from cruiserweight, which has a 200-pound weight limit, was able to hurt him. And Joshua's been fighting people, on average, who have a weight of about 240. 240, 260 and above. Those are the fighters that he's fought. But somebody at 200 coming up was able to take him out and, and, and stun him multiple times. Almost got knocked out at the end of the fight. So it's an incredibly big concern. And with Anthony Joshua, I'm not going to say I'm not going to call him elite. I'm not going to call him not elite because I'm not stupid. It's idiotic to say he's not still in the upper echelon of heavyweight talent. However, where he ranks is going to be in question. Right now, Tyson Fury's number one. Usyk's number two, even though he's got the majority of the belts in the heavyweight division when he beat Anthony Joshua. Even with that, now, Wild, not, not Wilder, excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of Deontay Wilder. Joshua's place in this heavyweight world is in question. Is he three or is he four? And that may not seem like a big flip to you, but in actuality, it is. Because it affects money. And it affects who's going to fight you. And who you can fight. If he loses this fight, he's not going to be able to fight Tyson Fury in what would be the, big, the biggest heavyweight bout in history. Or the biggest British heavyweight bout in history. Would be Bar none, if he loses this fight, that's not going to happen. He's not going to be able to, to, to fight Usyk because Usyk is going to get another challenger. Why would I fight you again when I beat you twice? Dominated you twice, potentially, if that happens again in this next fight. Is he going to fight Wilder? Well, Wilder, Dante Wilder, as great as he is, he doesn't know if he's fighting again. Or rather, it just came out that he's fighting again. So he was up. He was up in arms up until a couple months ago. You could fight King Kong Ruiz or King Kong Ortiz, Luis Ortiz Jr. Could fight Andy Ruiz, but again, Andy Ruiz and Ortiz are getting ready to fight each other. Depending on how that fight goes, I doubt people want to see. Ruiz versus Joshua again for a third time. It's very, it's all of these possibilities are possible because of the nature of boxing. With boxing, even though it's dumb, one loss can affect your entire career, even though it shouldn't. One loss can take you from a contender to mediocre or contender to not as highly valued. Two losses, well, you can throw your, you, to some people, many people say you can throw your career away at that point. 
once you get into the upper echelon and then you lose once, let alone twice, now it's stuff is in question. Especially if it's against two different people. That shouldn't be the case, but it is. And with Anthony Joshua, that's the risk that he's running right now. Because for the last couple fights, it's been lost to Ruiz, won to Ruiz, won against the, the, the next matchup. I cannot remember his name. In a title defense. And then lost to Usyk. So what is that? If I remember correctly. Win, loss. No, excuse me. Lost, win, win, loss. So he's 2-2 two and two in his last four fights. All of them championship fights. And breakdown of Usyk. Now we can, now we can get into the fight plan. Usyk himself is a throwback. This is a brother who, again, outside of Evander Holyfield, is the only other undisputed heavyweight, not, not heavyweight, the only other undisputed cruiserweight champion. Holyfield is considered the greatest cruiserweight of all time at 200 pounds. Usyk, many people are putting him in that same caliber, if not better. Do I think so? I, I, I don't know. But it's not out the question at all to say that he, if you say that he is. But his skill set is incredible. Footwork, elite. Combinations, elite. Elusive. On top of that, he can take a punch. On top of that, he can throw a punch. He, he's got power and speed. And he's shorter than, 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 than many fighters in the heavyweight division. However, that's an advantage for him. Because now he's a, when, once he gets inside, especially if, he, if, he, if he's able to catch your rhythm and get on the inside, he is lethal. This is a man who will throw flurries and walk you down. Has that ability as well as has the ability to box you from the outside. And he can go for 12 with ease. Even when he's tired, he's able to push through. He's got all of these qualities in him. Anthony Joshua, on the other hand, which is why he lost this, that last fight, is, a, is, again, like I said with Errol Spence, But with Joshua, I think it's to a bigger degree. Jack of all trades, but not really a master of anything. He's got a signature uppercut. But he didn't use it in the fight against Usyk. Couldn't use it. Wasn't able to. Couldn't land it. And I think he did once and Usyk still came forward. Has a good jab. Has good footwork. Has elite power. Let's not get it twisted. He is still one of the biggest punchers in the division. But, despite that, many of his skills, again, are a jack of all trades. But not really a master of anything. He's got good fundamental footwork. 
that's it's incredible. But beyond that, we saw what happened when he faced Usyk. He got outclassed. Couldn't take angles. Couldn't take advantage of his size. And that's what he needs to do if he wants to win. Anthony Joshua has to get aggressive. Cannot be fighting from the outside. You can't be trying to say my jab's going to carry the fight. You can't. Not against Usyk. Because his, his, Usyk's head movement is too elusive. It's too erratic. It's, again, Usyk is, is fights like an old school fighter. Head movement, footwork, angles. Never keeping his head on the center line. Throwing a vast array of punches. Committing to the body work. Taking what's available. All of those things. Joshua, however, is a fighter. Tries to use his block. Or tried to use his textbook. or I'm not going to say peekaboo. But high guard to guard against attacks. It's his manipulated high guard. Try, uses his jab. Doesn't do a whole lot of head movement. Really doesn't do a whole lot of head movement at all. Is a phenomenal judger of distance. But if you get inside that distance and he can't hit you, the flaws come out. He's got speed, but he isn't quicker than Usyk. He's got more power than Usyk, but he can't land it. Good footwork, but he isn't able to outmaneuver Usyk. He's smart. He's not as smart as Usyk. Everything that Joshua does good except for power, Usyk does at a higher level. There's not a heavyweight that I can see outside of Tyson Fury and maybe Deontay Wilder only because of his right hand that could beat Usyk. There is nobody else in the heavyweight division outside of those two that I could see beat Usyk clean. Nobody. The only way that Joshua can do it is if he gets aggressive. That's the only way. And by aggressive, I mean body work. The one flaw in Usyk's game is that he does not like body shots. It was apparent when he got caught with him against, well, not Wilder, against Joshua. Visibly, you saw him wince. You saw it hurt him. And again, that could be because of the weight discrepancy. Coming up to 200 or coming up to past 200, now the power is different for every opponent, let alone one of the strongest punches in the, in the division. So yeah, body work is going to affect him. Problem is the way that Joshua fights, regardless of what mentality he wants to say that he's bringing to the table now, saying that he's sick of losing, saying that he's tired of uh, of all the naysayers. I could care less about what you say. Not that it doesn't it's not, it doesn't have value. I'm glad that you have that mentality. But at the same time, your production isn't showing me that. Your production is very fundamental based. Textbook, which again is not bad. But against a fighter like Usyk, you have to get be able to manipulate that textbook. You got to be able to write your own chapters. In that textbook.
You got to be able to do stuff differently from that textbook. And he doesn't. He did, wasn't able to adapt. Wasn't able to overcome. He, he, he saw he was having success and didn't keep going to the well. Kept trying to set up that right hand instead of trying to wear down with body attacks. Use his frame to lean on Usyk and get him tired. Because Usyk's also carrying more weight. So he's got to get used to, to, to not only fighting, but also other bigger men leaning on him and wearing him out, making him tired. You got to use that to your advantage. That's the only way you're going to win. That's the only way you're going to win. Is if he goes out, gets aggressive, looks to set the pace of the fight, don't let Usyk come out and be the guy that determines, okay, I'm going to be able to go in and out at this rhythm. I'm going to be the one that dictates when I'm able to come inside. I'm going to be the one that dictates where we go in the ring. I'm going to be the hunter. No, you can't do that. Usyk for the entire fight walked him down. Joshua was on the back foot trying to gain some stability. Only time he got stability and was able to come forward was when he had a consistent body attack. Could be something similar to straight to the body. Walk Usyk down, get him in the corner or back on the ropes, and then just start ripping. Hooks and uppercuts to the body. Maybe an uppercut to the head in the, in the midst of that to get him off guard. For, trap him in the corner instead of letting him escape. Lean on him. Clench him up. Make him tired. All of these things. Those are things that he has to do, but he didn't do. And he could have done. And he's going to lose again if that goes again. If he keeps that same game plan and doesn't legitimately adapt to what he's trying to do and become more of the aggressor rather than just the guy waiting for that one shot. If you're just going to set up the right against somebody that knows what that setup is, it's never going to work. You didn't, he didn't do anything differently to get Usyk to adapt differently. And even when Joshua landed, that big right hand, Usyk kept on trucking. So he showed that he could take your power if he gets hit clean and keep on moving forward. That's, mm, I love Anthony Joshua, but at the same time, he irks me because he can be so much better than he is. But the way that he fights is getting shown now that he's at this elite level to have flaws that he just will not fix. And it's going to be a detriment to him in the long run, especially since right now he's in the prime of his career. He is. If he wants that mega fight with Fury instead of Usyk being the guy to get that fight, he's got to become a dog. He's got to be willing to say, we're going to get dirty in this fight. Not in terms of fighting dirty, but in terms of, I'm going to make this a war. I'm going to make this a dog fight. I'm going to force you to fight like you don't want to. 
I'm going to put myself at risk to reap the bigger reward. Yes, he's chinny. Yes, he can get stunned. Yes, he got stunned against Usyk in their last fight. Nearly got knocked out in the last round. But I'm going I'm to put that at risk so that I can better implement a better game plan. That's what he has to do at this point. Whether he's got a weak chin or not is irrelevant. If he just tries to box him, he's going to lose. If he doesn't utilize his power and his ability to legitimately control the action in the ring as the bigger, stronger man with the longer reach, you're not, he's not going to be able to reclaim the title of heavyweight champion of the world. Maybe ever again. Because if let me tell you something right now. If he gets a shot again and Tyson Fury is at that point in time the undisputed champ. Let's say hypothetically Usyk wins this fight, goes on to unify with Tyson Fury, loses. Tyson Fury is now the new undisputed champ. First one since Lennox Lewis over 20-something years ago. If that happens... And Joshua gets back in the fold to say, I'm the contender. Don't he? I, Tyson Fury's winning that. Easily. Easily. At this stage, easily he's winning that. So I'm excited for this fight. It's happening on August 20th. But at the same time, this is on Joshua. If he doesn't show up himself, fix the problems that he has in this game, which is his lack of aggression. Ever since that knockout, he's been there has been a, a, a aura of timidness around him. It has. He's gotten over it more and more, but at the same time. He doesn't want to get caught because he knew he still remembers what happened the last time he got caught. But he's got to put that away. He's got to because if he wants to try again, outboxing Usyk would not work. Not with how not without good he is. Not with how good he is. Usyk is already showing to be. Better than anybody else in the heavyweight division. Young or old. Better than du Dubois. Who's a young cat coming up. Better than Joe Joyce. Another young brother coming up. Undefeated. Better than Luis Ortiz. Show enough better than Deontay Wilder. Better than everybody. He's better than everybody. Except for Tyson Fury. That's it. And if they fight, hey, who knows? I want to say that Fury would win because he's bigger, as well as elusive, as well as strong, as well as can take a punch. But again, who's, it's hard to say. It's very hard to say. Or excuse me, it's hard to say with Complete confidence that that would be the case. 
I'm fairly confident that Fury would win that fight. However, it's not out the question that Usyk could potentially pull an upset because he's just that good. Again, he reminds me of older fighters. People that were in the heavyweight division like Jersey, Jersey Joe Wilcox. Fighter Joe Lewis. Not saying he's on that caliber, but in terms of at 200 pounds, fighting in the heavyweight division, fighting against bigger opponents. They didn't use their size as an end-all, be-all to win a fight like many people in the division now do. They used head movement. They used not only distance, but also getting inside for distance. They used feints. They used elite footwork, footwork that we don't see in the heavyweight division at all. The simplest thing of keeping your head off the center line, most heavyweights don't do that. They rely on what? Their block or keep the distance. Not the combination of all those assets into a game plan. You don't see that. You don't. Many people say that Tyson Fury would, not Tyson Fury, that, that Mike Tyson is one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. And he is. You know why? What did he do? What did he do that made him so elite? Head movement. Shifting his weight. Using angles. Cutting off the ring. Many of the tactics that you saw old school boxers do that we don't hear about today. Tyson, Mike Tyson, used in his ascent. Again, Floyd Patterson. Another... another Product of Customato, who trained Mike Tyson in the same peekaboo style. Lightning quick hands, incredibly aggressive. Head movement, shifting head slots so that he wouldn't get hit. Being safe while, all, while also putting his opponent in danger. All of that is stuff that we don't see in the heavyweight division anymore. Most of those skills are relegated to the lower weight class, which doesn't make sense, but it is the case. Because most of them rely on size. Usyk is a product of a different era. And his fruits are showing. You saw it when he dominated the cruiserweight division, went undefeated, now going to heavyweight, looking like he's going to do the same thing. Because again, outside of Fury, there's not another brother that can challenge him. Wilder, maybe that's only because of his right hand, the greatest right hand that boxing's ever seen. Outside of that, there is no other shot. There is no other man. There is no other person. No other person that can handle Usyk, in my eyes, at all. At all. So this is a legacy fight for Anthony Joshua in the worst way possible. If he loses this, many people are going to say that his contention as an elite heavyweight may be in question and may be over. Even though he's young. Very well could be. Now, could he still stay in the top five? Yes. Will he get into the top three? Probably not. 
or rather, will he get to the top three? Maybe so. He can get back in terms of looking at the heavyweight rankings. But he'll never be at two or at one. Never, 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 never if he loses this fight. That's how big this is. That's how big this fight is for him. I'm excited to see it. I think Us is going to win. Absolutely. Probably in the same fashion as he did last time. Because I don't care what Anthony Joshua says. I only care about what he does. What he does, or what he should do rather, is show that he is going to be the dictator of the fight. He is going to control the pace. If he can't show that he can do that and impose his physicality, it's going to be a repeat. It's going to be a repeat of what we saw. And we're going to hear, and still, heavyweight champion of the world, Alexander Usyk. But this has been another episode of The Watch Report. I've been your Jean-Luc Watch. It's been so much fun. I'm glad to be back. We got more consistency coming. Don't worry, we still got the NBA. A lot of stuff been going on in the NBA. NFL especially. A lot of news been going on there. Like with Kyler Murray. Like with the Moose. Like with Julio Jones. My gosh, shining with the Buccaneers. So much to talk about on so much on so many sports. We're going to cover it all right here on The Watch Report. Peace and love. We out.